Blackhawks fans, welcome in to the Four Feathers Podcast. It's Johnny Nani here alongside my guy, Ron Luce. Got a lot to discuss, but Ron, it's been a couple weeks here. How are you doing, first and foremost, my man? Uh, Johnny, just as a human being existing in this world, I'm doing quite well. As a Blackhawks fan, I feel like I've been kicked in the nuts about 14 times in the last two weeks. So, you know, I'm overall, I'm good Um, as a Blackhawks fan. We're going to get to that part. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And that's what we're here to discuss. The Blackhawks tearing it down. But Ron, I'm good. Glad to hear that you're doing well. Uh, We've had our share of adventures over the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, uh, going out of town and whatnot. But uh, we're back. We're here uh, to discuss everything that went on with the Blackhawks in between the last time we talked, which was the hiring of, or excuse me, the reported hiring of Luke Richardson. Obviously, they made that official within that time frame. Uh, they had a lot of movement trade-wise. They had the NHL draft come up, a lot of new players coming into the system. So uh, we've got a lot to discuss. But listeners, make sure you subscribe to ONTAP Sportsnet on YouTube when we live stream these episodes. So you can get alerted when they go live. And then also, you can join the conversation. We'll feature your comments right here, get some discussion going uh, about our Chicago Blackhawks here. But Ron, the theme of this one, man, is Blackhawks are tearing it down and they are doing it scorched earth style. Obviously, two massive trades to discuss. Um, let's start at the top with a guy that was a hot topic on our last episode that you and I wanted to retain, and that is Alex Dabrinkit. Um, going to the Ottawa Senators for a trio of draft picks. Ron, first of all, before we get into the nitty gritty of it, how does this make you feel? Um, it, it makes me makes me feel like Johnny that. Davidson is just trying to get rid of anything that even smells like Stan Bowman. That's what it makes me feel, right? Like, I I, I can understand some of it, but at the same time, a little confused, right? I mean, you have a, again, you and I talked about it. You already have the boat. Why do you need to pick the mystery box, you know, and see what the boat, you know, you, oh, it could be a boat. Oh, you already have a boat. And it's just like, I think it's really interesting because it's not like Cat was, even if Cat was like 28, then I'd be like, okay, I get it. He's in the prime of his career, maximize the return. He's only going to get better. And I feel like they kind of got snubbed on the trade, Johnny. So I think overall, uh, just I, 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 my feeling summed up in, into one word um, is, is empty, is how that trade made right. me feel. Just kind of empty. But- that's a good one, Ron. Um, I would put it definitely a little more hot uh, on the night of the trade. I think a lot of people were, but I would still go with angry because I wanted the Blackhawks to build around him. And I thought he was a good piece for which they could build around. Um, the only, you know, being 24 was finally starting to come into playing some, you know, really meaningful two-way minutes in terms of penalty killing and stuff like that. Um, and you need a base. I, I understand the uh, want, the desire to accumulate draft capital. I get, I totally get that. And Stan Bowman did not put Kyle Davidson in a good position entering this. So he did do, do a lot of maneuvering. So I do sure. understand that aspect of it, but at the same time, no great team is built solely, solely through just draft picks. And I, you know, sure down the road when they're closer to it, they will have free agent signings and a la Marion Hosa in the first run of, right. you know, we hope what we hope, eventually would be sustained dominance but um building blocks are important i think and i think he was a perfect one too so i just still feel a little bit angry and for the the main reason for that they did not get what he was worth in my opinion absolutely and johnny to add to the to the word angry because i think that's where my anger lies in the trade is i would have been a little more okay with it had i thought they got a fair return for him I remember there was reports coming out that the LA Kings had kicked the tires on Alex to and they offered two firsts and a prospect. And that quote unquote, wasn't enough, but three picks in only one was a first round pick was enough. And of course it's in a draft too, that has been widely considered by a number of draft experts, even over the last year to be probably the weaker class of, you know, the last three. Right. And, and, uh, and even of next year's class, everybody's saying, oh, next year's class, 2023 is the class that you want to have draft picks in. Why couldn't you get a, another first, maybe a next year's draft from Ottawa or any team for, for that matter? I really feel like they like I feel like Davidson just took what he could get in this draft. And I know there's reports that they wanted a top 10 pick in this draft. Like that was a goal if they could get it. But I, I almost feel like you you kind of short sold yourselves as the Blackhawks 
because of that reason, right? You, you were so short-sighted on wanting a top 10 pick in this draft that you couldn't have gotten assets for next year's draft, which is widely considered a better draft. Right. So my, you know, when I said angry about that, a lot of my anger initially was directed at Kyle Davidson. I'm still a little bit hot about that, but I'm going to try and do my best to at least remain objective. But would you agree that we can go and look at this after the fact? And obviously we'll have to see how these draft picks pan out. And there is a pick next year that will be coming up. But when you talk about the, you know, kind of rushed sort of feeling the vibe that we get from this, do you think this could be a rookie GM rookie mistake by Kyle Davidson? Um, I think it's certainly a trade that we can go back in and look at Johnny and say, you still didn't get enough for that. Right. Um, because even let's say, you know, Korchinski comes to fruition. I know we're going to talk to him about him in a little bit. Uh, let's say the other pick that they took with him. I know you have it in here cause you're always on the ball. Uh, Lewinsky, another guy that, um, you know, was a second rounder. If those guys pan out, you know, that's great. If the pick that they have next year turns into something, whether they use the pick or whether they trade the pick potentially, um, cool. But again, it really does kind of go back to the the analogy, Johnny, that you said when we talked about the break at the first time. Like, yeah. you know what you had in him. He's a 40-goal scorer with two-way potential and was a leader in that locker room. That's a lot to lose for just three draft picks with not more than one of them being a first. So I agree, Johnny. I, I really do think this is a trade that a year, two years, obviously we really can't probably grade it for another like three years if we're being totally fair. But I think this is absolutely a trade that in the Kyle Davidson era as GM, we can, we might go back on and say, son of a bitch, they should have gotten more for Alex to bring it. Right, Ron. I think that's a fair analysis of that there. Let's talk about the nitty-gritty then. We got our feelings out of the way here. The nitty-gritty of it, the Blackhawks traded, obviously, Alex Dabrinkit to the Ottawa Senators in exchange for the number seven overall pick in 2022, a second rounder, which is number 39 overall. Um, We'll talk about the guys that they picked there coming up in a little bit. And they also got a 2024, I believe, third round pick. Uh, or 2023, one of the one of the two there. So um, the total of three draft picks for that. Once again, I think we can agree that we just feel like did not get enough there. Um, but w- one of the other, you know, kind of elements of this trade is Alex Dabrinkit's contract status. And he is on, signed on for this upcoming season, obviously. And then after which he will become a restricted free agent. Um, and the qualifying offer, I believe, would be in the 9 million range, correct? I believe it was nine flat, yeah. Okay, so that that is a factor to consider. Maybe if he was signed longer, I mean, think about the return that they got for Hagel for someone signed for two more years. Um, Because at the end of the day, technically, sure, you know, we talk about the player a lot, but you are trading contracts, right? Or I guess capital picks in in this regard and what you got in return. So that is just the, you know, bare bones breakdown of it in terms of what they got there. Um, We'll be interesting to see how this plays out, but that wasn't the only trade they made on draft night ron um another former <laughs> first rounder here uh kirby doc blackhawks are always great about you know trade holding on to their first rounders as we all know uh but yeah kirby doc 2019 third overall pick goes to uh montreal uh canadians in exchange for the number 13 overall pick in this year's draft um and then the number 66 overall pick uh mm-hmm. in this year's draft so ron i think this one was a lot easier to stomach and i think they got a fair return for kirby doc here yeah, it was a lot easier to stomach. And and Johnny, just from an analytical standpoint as a Blackhawks fan, what that screamed to me with that trade was Kirby Doc was not the player that Kyle Davidson wanted when he was still a member of this front office in 2019 when they ultimately took Kirby Doc. Um, whether it was Bowen Byram that he might have wanted or Trevor Zegris or a number of players who have become very good NHL players in that 2019 draft class. Um, there was clearly the the uncertainty of, yes, you know, Kirby Doc is still young. He is only 21 years old. Uh, he certainly could still thrive in the NHL. There's no saying that he can't. Uh, but certainly you can tell that uh, Kyle Davidson wants to go in a different direction than Kirby Doc's skill set, I think, is a lot of it. And uh, we got to see that with this trade. To your point, though, I think a very good return. I'm, I'm almost more pleased with the return for Kirby Doc, who had 26 points in yep. 70 games last year, than I am for Alex DeBrinkin, who scored 40 goals. But that's neither here nor there. I agree with you, though, Johnny. Good return for Kirby Doc. If you just objectively look at what he's done and what they got. 
Right. And it's been a tough go for him here in Chicago. Obviously, um, was rushed into the league. We know that um, because of the Stan Bowman, you know, the win, the win now sort of uh, mentality that that was in play uh, when Kirby Doc came into the league. So um, probably could have benefited from another year in juniors if we're being totally frank. And then also probably some time with the Rockford Ice Hogs as well. And then that's not the only thing beyond the rush. Um, was the injuries. And we know there was already a shortened season in the 2021, I guess. You know, usually we'd say 2020, 21, but they only played in 21 there. Um, and that caused them to miss most of that year uh, due to the wrist injury suffered at World Juniors prior to that. So uh, it's been a rough road so far for Kirby Doc. For his, I, you know, I, I like the guy. I hope he can, you know, uh, find his stride there, but please don't do it against the Hawks uh, if, <laughs> if you do, Kirby. And, um, this was one that I was not too upset about parting ways with. And Ron, for our sake here, now we don't have to listen to our guy Tony on tap yell about Kirby Doc's inability to finish. <laughs> That's true. We don't have to listen to that anymore. I, I it's almost you know, it's it's almost he has a as point, bad but as, it, yeah. he does have a point. He does have a point. But no, I agree with you, Johnny. I think this one when I saw it happen, it was a little less of like a wow. It was like a okay, I get it. Like you know, Davidson clearly it wasn't his guy, you know, and maybe Davidson saw that as an opportunity too. Like you said, he struggled with injuries here. He was rushed. Maybe he saw it as an opportunity to say, hey, look, I kind of do feel bad for this kid. I think th- he might think he was rushed too and says, hey, we get him a breath of fresh air somewhere else where he can develop and we'll at least go get something for him now that we know we kind of want to build our team around. And I kind Kind of have a couple points about that later when we discuss actual draft picks here, but mm-hmm. um, absolutely agree with you. We don't we don't have to listen to Tony bitch anymore, mm-hmm. Johnny. But one thing, unfortunately, that you and I both are going through right now is we now have seventy seven jerseys that are now right. obsolete in our closets. So that's always fun, right? Yeah, <laughs> Ron. Um, that, that one that, that always stings uh, when when you lose a jersey oh, guy. Um, I, I lost two jerseys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, we lost a couple. You lose another one. Obviously, Kelvin DeHaan is likely going to uh, yeah. free agency as well. They're not going to bring yeah. him back. So. Um, yeah, you lose a couple there. Uh, I guess three for you then. Um, two, two for yeah. me with the Ryan Carpenter deal too this yeah. year. So <laughs> that is always, you know, you don't you don't like to see that, but you know, whatever. We'll we'll replenish. We'll, we'll replenish our wardrobes uh, as we usually do. Ron, you and I being the Jersey connoisseurs of the Four Feathers podcast here. Um, but with this one, you know, I talked about the 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 Brinkett trade possibly being a rookie mistake for Kyle uh, Davidson in his, you know, first GM, first real, you know, kind of whirlwind as GM, because uh, the draft always brings about a, a slew of moves. Um, I think this one, the Kirby Doc trade, is one that you can look at as him taking advantage of another team's desire for just a player profile. And for whatever reason, the Habs are crazy about wanting a big bodied center. Um, and Kirby Doc, not wouldn't say he's necessarily big in terms of muscle size yet and, and like bulky, but he is tall. So take advantage of that. It, it, seriously, I, I heard him talking on NHL Network and like, oh, when's the last time the Habs had a big forward? And it's like, what the fuck does it matter if like as long as they get the job done? I mean, hell, Philip Deneau was a great center for him and he was no he was no like towering beast. Right. Right. Absolutely. And, and sometimes, Johnny, you're going to run into those trades, right? And a good on good on Kyle Davidson to run into that trade, because if it was a guy that was already fallen out of your favor as a general manager and you didn't see a future for him here in Chicago in this rebuild, then absolutely go get value for him. There was rumors about today about a pair of players that I know we're going to touch on here uh, and the inability to trade them. So the fact that they got, again, like you and I have both agreed on here, pretty good value for if you objectively look at it, a player that had 26 points in 70 games last year, only nine goals, and was a third overall pick, a first and a third's not bad for a guy that you just don't see a future with. At least you get something in return for him. I would agree, 100%. So, Ron, I think that covers the, you know, the big-name trades here uh, that we had. A couple other moves that are, you know, while we're on the topic of the tank is on Kyle Davidson tearing it down. Um, we've got qualifying offers. The news broke today. Stroman, Kubalik. Um, they will not be qualified by the Blackhawks. Uh, not shocking, but I did like Dylan Strom. I appreciate what he did during his time here. And it is kind of sad um, that just fucking crank it with Dominic Kubelik is coming to an end. But hopefully Taylor Radish uh, can be the one to be the replacement there. We did see at least one example of that uh, in his short time after coming over at the trade deadline. So just thoughts on these two guys moving. Because obviously they're big names. They're the big names of this group. Um, there's a few others that I'll list off here that are moving as well. But uh, I know you, you and I were both kind of uh, Strom sympathizers. I guess we could we could say that. Um, thoughts on these two uh, Blackhawks moving on from them. 
Yeah, I think once the Debrinket trade happened, I wasn't surprised at all by the Strom move. I think if Debrinket was still here, I would have been more surprised if they really truly tried to move on from Dylan Strom, um, just because of the chemistry there. And obviously, there was a lot of favoritism with Dylan Strom playing with Patrick Kane, which is something I think a lot of people haven't entirely thought about too much, um, as they did play together quite a bit last season. They had a lot of success as a trio. Um, and the Kubalik one, I think that was kind of just in the cards because of the struggles last season, right? He had such a great year prior to that. Even in the 2021 year, everybody was like, yeah, his numbers were a little down, but they also had a terrible roster and he didn't have Taves and, you know, he didn't have a real centerman to play with at, at most times in that season. So I think he kind of got a freebie there. But after this year, he comes in, doesn't make a lot of noise, really never was all over the place. Like we kind of expected him to be after he was a 30 goal scorer in the season that was abruptly ended by COVID. So I, I guess that's where I think the lack of surprises with a guy like Dominic Kubelik, I think it was kind of, again, just kind of in the cards, the way the season played out. Um, but agree. I mean, a player that we probably confidently sat here a few years ago and said, yeah, this guy's probably a part of the future in Chicago because he was still young enough and had the talent. He was that big left-handed shot that you could put on the power play. And then all of a sudden, after that one fantastic season and, and that really good run over in the bubble, he kind of vanished. So um agree with you. Uh, I think the Strom one, you know, you like you said, you and I have always been Dylan Strom sympathizers. But one thing I will say about these moves, Johnny, especially with some of these qualifying offers, is uh, Kyle Davidson is starting to make it apparent of what he wants his team to look like. Um, and one of those factors at the center position is speed. And I think we've right. seen that with the departures of Strom and arguably Doc, because even though he had the long strides, he wasn't maybe the, the fastest player in the world. Um, so that's, you know, a little bit of a thought and observation from uh, from these moves. Right. Uh, I concur uh, on that front, Ron. I will say I'm not very shocked to see other any of these guys go. Like I had a lot of shock about the Debrinket trade, even though there were some rumors swirling. So um, and obviously the, they would have had to qualify them uh, and play out that process with restricted free agency. Nevertheless, these guys will hit the market, become unrestricted free agents. Will not be shocked. Dylan Strom signs up in Ottawa, uh, see what they can do <laughs> get Likewise. together. So uh, we'll, we'll see where those guys land. But uh, other than that, Blackhawks won't qualify. Uh, White Kalinuk, Andre Altibarmakian, uh, Cam uh, Morrison, and Kale Morris, uh, goaltender, all gone. Uh, rest of those kind of depth guys there. I did like some flashes of what we saw from White Kalinuk. I uh, showed some, you know, like I said, flashes of, of ability. Nothing really consistent, though. Granted, didn't get the minutes. Uh, and that turns it over to who they actually will qualify. And that's Caleb Jones. Philip Kurashev. Um, Blackhawks, no matter what the regime, they really like Philip Kurashev, man. Uh, I think we can both agree that Caleb Jones earned the right to come back, but Absolutely. Philip Kurashev, um, it, with the direction they're trending, I guess it's not, you know, it, see, see what he can give you again here in his what third season uh, with the Blackhawks. Yeah. And, and Johnny, I think you're going to see Philip Kurashev's game change this coming season. And I, and here's my hypothesis for that is going back to the point, right? We just, I just noted that. I think he wants speed at the center position and that's going to be through all four lines. I think they really see Philip Kurashev as, I don't want to use the word elite, but in the, you know, Tomas Kopetsky's and, and Blackhawks lore that predominantly bottom six guys, but had a major impact on the team. Like Kurashev's kind of profiles as that player. He can play, really heavy up and down, kind of that grinder style wing and center. He's got versatility at both. He was kind of a late round pick that admittedly, maybe in the fourth round, you take a shot and, and listen to your analytics guy, <clears throat> Kyle Davidson, when they drafted him. And I also think too, Johnny, because you're one of your favorite players now that we're going to probably see a lot of in this, in this coming season and Sam Lafferty, the same exact style, fast, relentless, Kershev shows that, but I think he tries to do too much sometimes offensively. I wouldn't be surprised if they just tell him, hey, look, Philip, just play your game. Just go balls to the walls because like Sam Lafferty, you will start to run in it, into those hustle plays and, and score maybe even more than he already has. So I think Kershev kind of fits the mold. So that qualifying offer, and he's only, what, 22? I mean, he's still young enough where it makes sense to give him some time. Um, but yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. We'll keep it simple with Caleb Jones. He absolutely played well enough 
if at worst he's a five or six defenseman on this team, he absolutely played well enough yeah, to and earn he, at least another contract. On Caleb Jones, really quick, since you left off there, I'll just say, you know, we talk about the Kyle, we're getting the vibe of what Kyle Davidson wants in a team when he's building it, right? And I think Caleb Jones fits that when you talk about playing defense and playing defense fast, and that also fits the Luke Richardson mold. Now, Luke Richardson yes. being a defensive you know, defensive-minded guy from his day, uh, his playing days. Obviously, the game has evolved a bit since then. There will have to be some more drilling into the, uh, you know, defensive zone, um, you know, sort of responsibilities for Caleb Jones. But you cannot deny the offensive prowess, and he's got a nice shot. So I, I do, uh, I, nice I do shot. like seeing him back. And obviously, you got the brothers Jones connection going on there as well. Um, so that will probably be one of the only heartwarming storylines that we'll get <laughs> during the Blackhawks 2022-23 campaign. All right, my comments on Philip Kershev. I I would agree that, um, you know, he's got that speed, that, that same sort of speed. I, I don't know if he has the same defensive awareness or want to uh, as Sam Lafferty, but maybe that's something they can look to install here. Uh, and instead of having to just be a compliment on a wing, um, you know, granted, he had some bouncing up and down the lineup, but when he did get opportunities up on the top, he was more just kind of complimentary, right? It, it wasn't yeah. really a, uh, not saying that he should be a showcase piece, but he will probably have more freedom to roam if that makes sense. Absolutely. Makes a ton of sense. In a season where he's going to play a more prominent role than he probably would on a competing team, yeah, they're going to give him every opportunity to, hey, go out there, play your game, and see see how you develop and, and if you can be here for the long haul or not. Right. Okay. That covers our qualifying offers. Uh, who didn't get them? Who did? Um, and then we got a couple buyouts too. Henrik Borgstrom and Brett Connolly, uh, the Florida pair that came uh, at the trade deadline a couple of years ago. Um, you know, Henrik Borgstrom, I think we had some high hopes for, but obviously was just didn't show up. Uh, and he really had, I think he had an opportunity to do so. And he was given uh, time, minutes to do so, but he kind of played himself out of it. So I, I'm not shocked that they had to do something there. Uh, the cap, uh, you know, um, sort of hits that they'll take on that. Not too massive for him or Connolly. So uh, we all kind of knew Connolly, veteran depth sort of guy anyway. So um, you got any comments on them? Yeah, just quickly. I think the Borgstrom, you, you you put it perfectly. I mean, I remember he remember this season he was given opportunity on the top line for a few games and just, yeah, kind of disappeared. Right? We were so hyped about this kid that, you know, looked really good at Denver and was this great college player. And then he gets to the league and I don't know what the hell happened. I don't know if it was something down in Florida that they just scared the shit out of him. I, who knows what it was, but uh, something clearly just didn't click for him. Hopefully he gets another chance. But like you said, only like 80 K on the cap for the next two seasons. It's nothing money wise um, for them to get rid of him. And then with Connolly, you know what? I kind of was joking with myself early this morning, Johnny looking at cap friendly and like, Maybe just maybe Brett Connolly gets some top six time next year and yeah. like <laughs> maybe can score 15 goals and get moved at the deadline and then they buy him out. And I'm like, oh, well, never mind. So yeah. uh, that trade died. But you you took my other point. Two thirds of the that Florida trade from the shortened season gone. Uh, now Riley Stillman stands alone as the only guy still here from that deal. Right. Yeah. I and mean, I think we, you know, I think Riley still going to get himself some opportunities here. Obviously he did uh, last year as well when he was not uh, injured and we had that shoulder issue, but um, we, we'll see what he brings to the table, but uh, the other two thirds of that gone. So uh, that does it on kind of the sort of tear down Ron. Let's get into the Blackhawks 2022 NHL draft class here. Um, they made 11 picks, three first rounders, two second rounders, three third rounders, two sixth rounders, one seventh rounder, uh, very forward heavy. Two defensemen, obviously their first pick in Korchinski, uh, and then one, only one other one there, uh, nine forwards taken in this group. So, uh, Ron, I know you did a little bit of uh, YouTube scouting. Uh, we're just disclaimer, we're not massive draft experts here, uh, but we'll, we'll give you our take uh, on what we've got here. So, Ron, what would you learn about some of these guys uh, from your little bit of research here? Yeah, Johnny, the guys I was able to find the most on uh, just for you mentioned it, Johnny, right? We've all had summer adventures, and I was in the city of Trashville this weekend. And I flipped off Bridgestone arena. Like I always do when I'm down in Nashville, don't worry folks, fuck the mustard cats. Nonetheless, um, didn't really get to see a lot about these guys this weekend. So today was my first day to catch up. So limited action here, but, um, I, I, again, going back to the point of seeing the style that Davidson wants to, to get just his first two forward picks alone in, um, in Ludwinski and, and Nazer with those two, and their front line just speed, that straight line speed they have, you can see where the center position is supposed to play in whatever system that they're going to build with Luke Richardson as at the helm as head coach. 
because it really feels like it's go, go, go on the forward side. And like you said, that fast defense, that fast defense leads to quick transition offense. And both of these guys have the burning speed. Defensively, Korshinsky is very interesting to me, Johnny. And a guy that I want to spare, share my, my spicy take that I had with you about him. And he's a very balanced defenseman, truly two-way. Like he, he looks good in the offensive zone. He looks comfortable. He's the type of kid that developed correctly. He's going to be a power play quarterback and a true power play quarterback, not a shot at Duncan Keith in his time here, but he was never really a true power play quarterback. He could run a power play and do it just fine, but he didn't fit that traditional style, right? right. He wasn't a Chris Letang or a John Carlson mm-hmm. commands the blue line. Krzyzewski seems to do that even at the junior level. Johnny. In today's NHL, I saw a, on one of the other YouTube videos that uh, I believe it's Wolf Hockey was the name of the of the YouTube channel. Um, they broke it down and he and they said that he, stylistically he seems like Rasmus Dahlin, and I can see it. I can see it in his game. Also reminds me a little of Shea Theodore, another today comp. Right, I believe he is one that. Uh, Korch- yeah, uh, excuse me. Uh, yeah, Korchinski said he yes. models his game after Shea Theodore. Right. Yeah. Yes. So, and uh, you can definitely see that in his game. But a former Blackhawk Johnny that he reminds me of, who is still in this front office, is one Brian Campbell. Mm, there you go. He gives me Brian Campbell vibes. He's a left-handed shot. He yep. plays good defense. Like a lot of people, I think, forget like Supi was a pretty good defender. Yeah. Like it just because he was known for offense, but he could defend. He could defend very well. True two-way forward or a two-way defenseman, pardon me. He has that feel. Cause like he'll he'll go into the dirty areas like Campbell used to a lot. He'll drive the rush. He'll push the pace of play. He loves you wrote it up perfectly in the in the scouting report, right? It's they said in the professional scouts quote almost verbatim, if the if he's pushed outside, he will double back and push the pace down the middle. They want to dominate down the middle, Johnny. And again, soupy vibes. I get really big soupy vibes, and maybe that's a reason that Brian Campbell is still in this front office because they want his influence on what the system looks like from a back end talent standpoint to be able to play kind of that push up the middle game like Brian Campbell did as a player. Right. Yeah, no, I, I like that comp, Ron. That's a good one. Obviously, you'd heard a lot about the Shea Theodore um, because, you know, they, they kept, like I said, ask about, you know, who do you yeah. model your game after? Who do you see yourself fitting like uh, in the NHL or if, you know, give a comp? You know, that's always a big thing. When you're talking about drafts, player comps, no matter what league it is, NBA, NFL, you know, uh, NHL here, um, like we're discussing. So uh, I'm interested. I, I do uh, have just, you know, about Korchinski. Um, you're talking about a seventh overall pick in a draft. Not, you know, still a top 10. So selection. I'm not, you know, degrading it at all. But as we had talked about earlier, just not as deep as a draft. So in next year's draft, where would a guy of that mold be? And that's just where I kind of, you know, go back to the debrinket trade and said, okay, well, sure. I, you know, that, like, you know, are we really getting uh, what, what this guy's going to be worth? I kind of say already no, but at the same time, we will give these guys a chance to play out, develop, see how they uh, come through. You uh, with Korchinski, and we said a little bit of two-way, but I did hear some concerns uh, when reading a few scouting reports um, about his own zone. Um, and, you know, that, that's something that I think, Maybe, you know, obviously can be developed there. You can can teach them how to defend. And obviously within a system, Luke Richardson is a defensive former defenseman himself. So uh, I think he will have that uh, when Korchinski does eventually come to the show um, and be coached up in that regard there. So it it will be interesting to see, but that would be my one concern kind of in his own zone. And can they really, really um, truly get through on that? Or is he going to be a risk taker? And if that's his mold, then that's his mold. But, um, you know, usually when you take a guy like that and you're talking D uh, up near the top of the draft, you probably want him to be uh, a good defender as well. So that would be my concern there. But um, obviously pretty damn forward heavy, Ron. We're talking about Frank Nazar. I've heard you know a lot about this kid's uh, scoring prowess, speed. Um, and once again, though, own zone concerns uh, there. So um, any insight into this, uh, you know, kind of, uh, I guess, uh, firecracker of a forward. Uh, that's why I like to describe him. He does play like a firecracker, Johnny. And I, I think, again, I think that's the style that, Davidson's going to want from his forwards, right? There's a reason he, his first move as GM was getting rid of Nylander and getting Sam Lafferty and giving him opportunities to play significant time and in some significant situations. And he's won your hard over as a, a hardworking, hard nosed player. And he earned a new contract. Like Nazar gives me that vibe. And I'm not saying he's the next Sam Lafferty and they used a 13th pick on a bottom six forward. 
What I am saying, though, to your point, Johnny, that firecracker nature, they want guys that can ignite and be quick. That that quick twitch. It, speed yeah. is hard to teach in any sport. Like, right. yes, you can you can get stronger in your legs and your stride can become a millisecond faster. But, like, you're either naturally gifted quickness or not. Like, that's right. just kind of yeah. human nature. So, yeah. they, I think to your point, Johnny, right, with a guy that's widely considered a good teacher from what I've seen around the NHL and Luke Richardson, and this front, you know, this front office staff that they've kind of assembled in the way it looks and the Kendall coins and the Brian Campbells and really good fast players bet on the speed teach the rest of this stuff because positional positional ability can be taught yes obviously some of it is instinct and awareness and being able to feel your surroundings but you can teach a, a, a frank nazar to hey be more responsible in you know the defensive zone yeah i think some but of that can just come from positioning right yeah yeah but when he's got that that straight line speed johnny half of his freaking highlights were him getting sent the puck and he's like two steps in front of the defenseman. And in like two strides, he's behind the guy and has a breakaway. Like he yeah. did that a lot. That straight line speed is absolutely nasty. Right. And it's something that, you know, we like, we'd I'd go back to it again, well, you know, getting the blueprint for what Kyle Davidson wants and the types of players that he wants. And it's just, you know, adapting to the modern NHL. It's got, you know, the Blackhawks were, you know, in that first wave, you know, when you're coming up and talking about the 2010s dynasty, they were one of the faster teams. And that's why were they were able to have yeah. success. Well, guess what? They've fallen behind multiple strides now. So this is a, in my mind, a, a uh, pick to try and recoup some of that. Yeah, I think that's well said, Johnny. And it and it bleeds through the rest a lot of the other forwards as well. Uh, just another guy I was able to actually see a lot of is uh, Paul Ludwinski. Like, he had a lot of plays where he was splitting D and just using that straight line speed down the middle to get into scoring, you know, position and, and ultimately, you know, those high danger chances that we like to talk about, right? Got to protect the house. These guys like to break into the house like like burglars, Johnny. Yeah. That's what they do with that speed. Ooh, the Blackhawks burglars, if they all if they come to fruition, <laughs> yeah. Just <laughs> it's breaking straight, your knee down in front of the net. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's crazy. And John, it really feels that way too when you also look at like the body builds of a lot of these kids they took. The defensemen are big, right? They're guys that can fill into a bigger frame, but they're they're maybe a little lankier. That they have that long reach, right? Like it, both uh both of the defensemen they took in this draft, in both Renzel and Korchinski, they're kind of like lanky dudes, like right, like yeah, right. they're six four, yeah. six two, but like they look a lot lankier. You know, they're not, you know, very balanced in terms of their length. They've got that long arm reach. You know, they can get that stick out there and, and poke away pucks. And then these forwards, they're all built like brick shit houses, Johnny. Like for hockey players, like a lot of these kids are like mid 180s, 190 at like 5'10, 5'11 as, as 18 year olds. I mean, that's like almost grown man shit. That's like the Victor Stahlberg build almost. Like yeah. he had a little more weight. You're, you're creating like Victor Stahlbergs that are just freaking missiles going down the ice and, yeah. and take it, you know, and getting around people. That's really what it feels like they're building towards. And, and again, I don't know Kyle Davidson likes to be obvious, but like he made it very clear what they expect of their forward group and their defensive group with this draft, John, even though there's only two defensemen. Picked. Right. Yeah. No, Ron, I think that's a, that's a good way to put it. I really hope that we can bring Blackhawks burglars to life. Uh, it's, you know, sometime Blackhawks maybe, maybe like, you know, I would imagine that's probably more like three, four years down the road, but uh, we'll, we'll be along for the ride here at four feathers podcast. So uh, the other defense, I just want to talk to in sense where, you know, kind of not, not to, degrade the lower round picks but let's just be realistic with the numbers those ones are just have a slimmer chance of becoming impactful regular nhl players so obviously you get your exceptions and your brandon hagels and whatnot so a little bit more top heavy focused here with these uh, i thought the sam ranzel one was interesting um you know maybe a little bit of a reach but he was the number one ranked high school player um uh, you know coming out of a uh you know minnesota where, where hockey is king up there uh in the high school ranks so um i thought that was interesting and that's a, you know just a big body there uh, with ranzel uh 64 180 there uh, obviously plenty of room to grow in as you you said talking 
talking about frames. So uh, maybe, you know, that's a good compliment then. Uh, if you're talking about these guys on a timeline, Korchinski maybe be the one that can develop into a little bit more two-way, and maybe Ryan Zell is the one that develops into a little bit more of your kind of stay-at-home defensive defenseman with that size there. So um, I thought that was interesting uh, with that kind of, you know, last first-round selection. It just, Ron, pretty wild to me just overall when you're going back and look at the draft class. Cal Davidson entering the day uh, on uh, the round one with, with zero first-round picks and coming yeah. away with three. Um, obviously, we'll have to see how it plays out, and this draft was, you know, touted as not as deep uh, as next year's uh, class will be. But um, either way, I think Cal Davidson accomplished what he wanted to in terms of getting some of that capital back. Yeah, absolutely. I think, again, we saw it in another Chicago sports team this past draft in the Chicago Bears. Ryan Poles turned three picks on day three into, what, six, seven picks almost on that third day. And I think for a new GM especially, Johnny, I think it's good to get guys in and get them in what you're trying to do, right? Like you want to take as many shots because you're more likely to just naturally hit on the more shots you take early, right? You want to get that jump start so you can kind of show, you know, the ownership, hey, we've got what we want coming. Just let us keep doing this. Let us build that pipeline that we're just going to always continually have. That's everybody's goal that they want to do in sports as a GM. So I think Davidson accomplished that, to your point. Goes and gets the three first. You get a goalie that at least is a warm body in net for the next two years. And Peter Mraz is a pretty good goaltender. I think a lot of people just forget about him because he's been hurt a lot over the last two seasons and kind of you know vanished out of Carolina with what they did and et cetera. But at least a guy that's going to play good enough it's not going to be the jeff glass era again in net like it's it peter Mrazek's at least respectable name and again you get you get given a draft pick to take him right so i i think for davidson like you said what he wanted to do and they they were very open and honest about wanting to get picks you know he said it with uh the debrinka trade they wanted to get into the top 10 to take korchinski like at least he's pushing his agenda and not being passive. He's at least being aggressive and going for it and just trying to give himself options that can start to stick now. So they keep doing this and eventually, you know, you build correctly. Right. So um, I just want to throw this out there is I understand it is a different GM now in charge. It is a different um uh scouting you know sort of who's in charge there uh and maybe some of their processes are different here but i would just want to say full scale rebuilds don't always work so as much as people want to say oh and sure we're, we're all in on it now there's no turning back there's no reclaiming alex to bring it or you know nope. whatever you're, you're already fully into it but i just want that that is where i would you know caution people from diving too head first into it and still greet it with a little bit of skepticism at each turn, no matter what it may be, is that full scale rebuilds do not work. And guess what? If it does not pan out the way that you want, then you have just wasted, wasted about a good seven years here, to be honest with you. I just, not to be negative Nancy here, negative Nani at the end, but it's just the truth. It doesn't always work. Shit. How long have the Buffalo Sabres been trying to rebuild, Ron? It's it's not. Oh, and granted, Absolutely. maybe different, you know, different situations with different organizations. And then um, the Blackhawks draft history. And like I said, I know it's a new regime in here, but Blackhawks draft history, at least in recent times, does not give you a whole, whole lot of confidence. So uh, I guess I can say let's hope the scouting team got their shit right this year. <laughs> yeah, no, that's and that, that's absolutely a great point, Johnny, because. He is really going full scorched. Like, this is not just a rebuild, right, or a retool where they get rid of some guys and they establish some pieces. Like, it's, a, like you said, a full-blown teardown. They are ripping this thing to the bare bones. And like you said, it's really like you put your ass on the line. And you, because like you said, especially like you said, you just waste time. You waste people's livelihood of being Blackhawks fans if you really think about it in that way of that seven years of their life they're not getting back that they right. just wanted to see a competitive team and they wanted to give you their money and they wanted to be a part of being a fan of the organization like we are here but like that really does take away from seven years of, of them and people buying tickets and the team at least being somewhat competitive and i know you can't always just buy a team either especially in hockey with the really yeah. hard cap but at least tr just hire the right people to be in place where at least like you said, you have that continued success because there are teams in the NHL that have shown it can, it, it's possible. 
Um, but Godspeed to you, Kyle Davidson, yeah. because otherwise you put your ass on the line here really soon. Right, right. Now, I think it was interesting with uh, Scott Powers and Mark Lazarus, a team over at The Athletic, and they had said that, you know, the Debrinket trade will really kind of be, you know, down the road. Be We'll look back on it and talk about that as the, you know, kind of defining moment. And it's so just odd that it happened so, so early uh, mm-hmm. in his time there. But uh, he went bold and he went with his direction and the Blackhawks do have a direction now. You cannot say that. That's sure. one thing from, you know, a departure from the Stan Bowman era. You cannot say that the Blackhawks do not have a direction. We're all along for the ride to see how it pans out, Ron. But part of this direction, too, there are a couple of key veterans still here. You might know them. Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves. I guess the question I have, Ron, is that, sure, he might not be asking them to move their, you know, waive their no movement clauses here. And I know that deals will be expiring, but is Kyle Davidson forcing these guys out of town? It's an honest question. It is an honest question. And it was, it was proposed in by, uh, by Mark Lazarus and Scott powers and their one of their latest articles. And it at least brings a fair point, Johnny, because you know, he, he said it in his press conference. Is anybody untouchable? Well, certain guys are just contractually because they earned that right. Now that you really look back on it and think about that, he's like, yeah, in theory, they're untouchable. But if we it's, make it so what, miserable what, around what, here, they're not Ron, what he was stay. saying, what do you, I think of what he wanted to say in his brain. He said, go to capfriendly.com and look who has NMC by their name. Yeah, <laughs> that's essentially what he said. He's literally like, as you, you sit there and you think about it, you go, okay, Seth Jones, you're not going anywhere unless somebody wants you and you're good with leaving. Patrick Gain, Jonathan Taves, even some of these guys with modified and you know NTCs, Tyler Johnson, Jake McCabe, like Connor Murphy, you know, who's to say that they don't try to chase some of these guys out of town for assets over the coming years? How how scorched earth are you going? Like, do do Connor Murphy and Jake McCabe get to call them along for the ride, or is like is just Seth Jones gonna rot in Chicago for eight years because he's on an NMC deal for nine yeah. and a half mil a year? I, That's really what it felt like, Johnny, right. now that you bring it up. So, yeah, yeah I, I think I, he is maybe kind of forcing these guys out, or at least to make a decision. Right. Either it, you're here no. or you're not here. Right. Okay, so let's get back to those two names that I mentioned. And you and I, I think we had a discussion. I think it still holds, even and granted we had this discussion on our last episode of Four Feathers podcast here before these kind of, you know, scorched earth teardown moves that we had just uh, discussed previously in this episode. Um, with Jonathan Taves, though, I think we all saw the writing on the wall based on his comments, based on his age and how he has aged, his injury history, and his, you know, um, sort of wanting to probably go and chase another one before he hangs up the skates. Um, I think the writing has been on the wall that Jonathan Taves at some point um, will eventually move to another team via trade, and hopefully the Blackhawks get a nice return for that. Um but I don't. I think this only accelerates that further, right? And we could see trade deadline move this year, um, or, or if something wild were to happen here uh, via free agency, sort of, you know, maybe someone signs and trades for Jonathan Taves and whatever. Who knows? We'll see what happens. But with Patrick Kane, this is where the ultimate question comes down because before the, the rebuild was announced, when Kyle Davidson was officially introduced, right? He set yep. his direction there in words. Now he's done it in actions. And in between that period, though, when it was just in words. Patrick Kane said that he would like to finish his career in Chicago. Now, immediately after the moves, of course, Pierre Lebrun's reaching out to Kane's camp, his agent, and they stayed mum on it initially. That was right after Debrinket and Doc trades. And then now the latest report from uh, David Pionta, I think, uh, fourth period, uh, Mm -hmm. um, had said that Patrick Kane's brass will meet with the Blackhawks, upper brass. Ron, I would love to be a fly on wall for those conversations and hear – what Patrick Kane's agent and his representation has to say to Kyle Davidson, the Blackhawks front office now. Yeah, absolutely. Because to your point, Johnny, right. He kind of, there was a rumbling at least during the season. Like you said that Patrick Kane, like wants to remain a Hawk his entire career and is going to sign another contract to stay in Chicago because maybe when they thought rebuild, they thought rebuild around Alex to And why wouldn't Patrick Kane stay here and at least play with Alex to his buddy and put up good numbers and have this legacy. Now, all of a sudden it's Patrick Kane and the funky bunch is really what this team looks like. If he sticks around, you know, cause who's to say that Seth Jones is going to be able to live up to the nine and a half million dollar contract. Who's to say that 
there's a star in the wings. It, there really isn't unless Lucas Reichel becomes this next great thing. That's really the only close to the NHL ready talent that they have at the moment. So this is very much a conversation, Johnny, that like you said, I would love to be a fly in the wall for because do they sit there and kind of come back to Davidson and go, whoa, whoa, whoa. I know you said rebuild, but this is insane. Or is it, hey, maybe you, you pay us a little more money to stay, right? And I'm not saying that's the direction he's thinking, but I'm just saying all of a sudden you get there and you can play that game of like 14 different directions that conversation can go. But damn it, Johnny, you're right. Being a fly in the wall would be incredible because this is this is going to be a yeah. big deal if reports all of a sudden come out and say that Kane's moving his NMC and he's going to be traded before the season starts. Now, I, I just, yeah, Ron, like you said, fly in the wall would be excellent here. But I just want to look at a couple of sides with this with Patrick Kane. I think there is a loyalty factor and there is a comfortability factor. Hell, he just had a kid, what, a little over a year and a half ago, I think, um, in Chicago. He's grown up here. Yeah. Uh, he's played here his entire career. Obviously, the previous comments alluding to wanting to finish out his career here with the Blackhawks. So I do think that's still at play because he's proud of what he's done here. Uh, and hell, he's already won three cups here. So it's not like he hasn't gotten anything uh, you know, out of being a Chicago Blackhawk here. Um, but at the same time, then when you go and see these moves, you're taking away his best buddy on the ice once again. You, you know, Stan Bowman did it with the Artemi Panarin thing. Uh, but then, you know, yeah. Alex Dabrinkit eventually, you know, you saw the yin and yang with them this year, being able to zip that puck uh, across. I understand a lot of, you know, Dabrinkit's primary assists, uh, goals are primary assisted by Patrick Kane. Kane obviously has a natural chemistry with him. Uh, and they've been able to just kind of perfect that. And we saw that a lot last season in those cross scene plays and finding each other, uh, especially, you know, when, when they had a little bit more ice to work with, whether it be an overtime uh, or a four on four situation. So um, taking away Alex to from that mix, I, I think is possibly the thing that could make Patrick Kane change his mind. Correct me if you think I'm wrong there. I don't think you're wrong, Johnny. Cause I think he says in deja vu, you mentioned it with the Panarin departure, right? Him and Panarin. Those were some of Kane's best seasons playing opposite Panarin. They, they, it, it, I think a lot of people in hockey always think about, oh, the great, like, single great people. But, like, a lot of the greats always have, like, I don't want to call it a sidekick. A partner in crime. Really, a partner in crime is perfect, Johnny, because you had the Malkin to the Crosby, even though it sounds like Malkin's going to the free agent market now. But you had the Malkin to the Crosby. You've had the... Uh, the Stamkos to the Kucherov. You had the Vinny LeCavier to the Martin St. Louis. Like there was always kind of a duo. Patrick Kane, I think, was sold on. It's going to be me and Artemi, and he's my Russian buddy, and we're from two opposite sides of the world, but we work and we mesh, and this is going to be great. And instead, he's dealt. And then you're like, okay, all right, I'll I'll get over it. And you find Dabrinkit, and you're like, okay, we got something here. You're going to keep this one, right? And then, no, you do it twice. You stab him in the back twice. You take away his guy twice. Maybe he feels a little slighted in terms of a loyalty factor, Johnny. You mentioned that earlier. Maybe it is finally Patrick King going, you know what? I, I, I do kind of want a chance to continue to be great. Or maybe he's like, hey, this still really freaking sucks, but like, can we at least maybe go find me somebody to like be here and be a part of this thing and at least give us something. Um, yeah. I, I don't know, Johnny, I'm at a loss for words. Yeah. Truthfully. I, it'll just be really interesting to see uh, if there are, are any, you know, kind of reports that squeak out from um, the meetings that, Patrick yeah. Kane's camp will have with the Blackhawks front office. So that's still to be determined. But once again, I think all fair questions are when you're talking about the future of this team and who actually will uh, remain and be on the ice um, for this team. So Ron, a little bit of uh, last news here. Coaching staff was finalized today. Derek King will remain on as an assistant. Uh, Kevin Dean, former Bruins assistant will join him. And then Jimmy Waite, goaltending coach, Matt Meacham, video coach will remain in their roles. How do we feel about the return of some King shit? I am all about the return of some king shit, Johnny. And you know what? I think this move says a lot about both sides. I think it says a lot about Derek King that he 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 actually maybe feels at home here and and respects this organization. And they gave him a chance as an AHL head coach, and now he he's had the chance to be an NHL head coach. And they're still like, hey, you might not be the guy, but we'd like to keep you here. And then that says a lot about Derek. It says a lot about the Blackhawks because they clearly see his value to them, right? Like. 
it would be very easy as Kyle Davidson, who, yes, he was here and probably was a part of the process to pick King to be a part of their AHL coaching staff. But it just says that he's kind of earned the respect in the organization of like, hey, you're good hockey. Mike. We're actually surprised with what you did, given everything that you dealt with last year. We'd really like you to be a part of that culture and chemistry we're trying to build. Would you like to stay? Like it, it, it's, it's kind of a, it, you feel good for both sides type thing. There's like so a mutual respect here and Johnny, we get more King shit. Yeah. Right. I, I like it. I, I like you'd said, uh, if you outlined some of those factors there, well, I, I really like his player friendly approach. I think that can be a good contrast because you and I talked about on our previous episode uh, when we were discussing every, everything and anything, Luke Richardson, uh, maybe a little bit more. He calls himself kind of a quiet guy. Well, maybe Derek King is the guy that reaches out then. Maybe he's the olive branch between the kind of, um, you know, structure of the, what the Hawks want to employ here. And then maybe he's the one that can bridge the gap and say, okay, well, A, our general manager didn't leave us with too much here. So you're going to have to cut these guys some slack and B, here's the areas in which they're improving and maybe improve that communication in there, uh, in that locker room. So I think, I think that'll be beneficial there. Uh, I don't know too, too much about Kevin Dean. We're talking other assistants here, um, but obviously was on the uh, bench under who's that Bruce Cassidy there uh, in Boston uh, for five years, I believe. So, um, you know, a little, uh, um, you know, outsider perspective there, but then you also have kind of your mainstays. Obviously we knew King was with the team last year. And then those other two, um, I think it was, right move to bring Jimmy Waite back. Uh, I have not had many issues with Blackhawks goaltending uh, in terms of the uh, preparedness. And that's kind of more where he plays into as a uh, goaltending coach. And then uh, with Matt Meacham, video coach, I think the Hawks have done an okay job on challenges over the year. It's about the only thing you can externally judge those on. So um, that rounds out the coaching staff for your 2022-2023 Chicago Blackhawks run. Development camps going on this week. Uh, They'll have a different sort of format, three-on-three tournament style to um, round up the week. They usually have done a kind of, I think it was either two-period scrimmage uh, in the Mm -hmm. past, um, five-on-five. Now they're changing that format. Always good. Three-on-three hockey, plenty of ice, but um, be interesting to see. Might possibly take a gander uh, up at Fifth Third Arena this week. Plenty of draft picks on display. Uh, We shall see what what the end of the week brings. Um, But our last topic, Ron, has to be one of the greatest, excuse me, the greatest Blackhawks defenseman of all time, Duncan Keith, hanging up the skates. Uh, this will cost the Blackhawks on the cap, just for the record, um, <laughs> because of the contract that was signed before. I think it's kind of dumb that the contract was legal when it happened, and then now you're kind of getting penalized for it, but that's the case regardless. Uh, 5.5 on the books for uh 2022-23 and then 1.9 on on the books close to two there for uh the next season after that but ron this is not time to talk about you know i gave you the figures there not time to dwell on that here let's talk favorite duncan keith memories go ahead shoot off any you got off the top of your head uh i mean the there's a couple quick easy ones johnny one being obviously that goal that he scored in that 2015 cup that game six uh, to give the Hawks the lead, it was ultimately the GWG. That was also his Con Smythe year. Was just incredible in those playoffs. That was peak Duncan Keith, like among the NHL's elite first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, and you know, who knows a good dentist because he lost a couple teeth. I mean, that's another one that you'll always remember. But I mean, just you look at the accolades, right? I mean, all the all the the awards, you know, playing for Canada, you know, in the Olympics and the golds and and then you look at the Norris trophies and the cups. He was a winner too. Like he just epic, epic defenseman. Congratulations to him. I can't wait until they announce when number two is going up in the rafters, Johnny, because that's where it's destined. Right. Absolutely, Ron. Uh, we already know Marion Host is going up in the rafters sometime next season uh, too, now that he is officially retiring. Well, I guess it's reports. I'm sure I'll make an announcement uh, in the near future, but um, he, he will be hanging them up. Ron, uh, you had touched on a few of them there. Obviously, no one can forget the Duncan Teeth. Um, you know, that, that'll always, you know, just him with all that. Done. Anyone know a good dentist, right? Uh, that comment. Um, and then uh, the goal in 2015, uh, in that cup and obviously winning the Conn Smythe trophy there. Uh, great honor. Glad that the Blackhawks had three of their mainstays, you know, Taves first, Kane second, uh, Keith third to win those Conn Smythe trophies during their little dynasty run there. Um, one that is maybe a little underrated though, because you covered the big moments there. I love the lasso celebration 
overtime goal <laughs> at Nashville. You remember that one? That I felt do. that was just perfect for you know in front of all those friggin' uh, mustard tiger fans down there. Um, that, that's one that it was just so unique because he, he was great. He was you know he was a passionate, energetic guy, but he wasn't really too much of a bragger in terms of celebrations. Granted, he didn't score a whole whole lot. I was going to say. Yeah, but you, you got more of the eccentricity from Kane, right? You, you got yeah. some animated celebrations from uh, Taves. Forwards are just more inclined to it. Even Seabrook, you know, would go down and, uh, you know, after he, everyone remembers the shootout goal, um, yeah. you know. But with him, the lasso celebration, I don't know why. It's still one of my favorite gifts on Twitter. And and to your point, Johnny, like the lasso celebration. Like, you know, Duncan Keith's intense, right? He's always in the game. And that's why he doesn't, like, he was energetic, but didn't, like, talk a ton of shit like in terms of a bragging style that was the one time where he's like hey you know more or less fuck you guys like it was it was peak like good like duncan keith is dialed in you know and that was in in a cup run so you know that was that's one of those energies where you're like this team's feeling it duncan's feeling it um when he's you know kind of showing off and talking a little shit yeah right uh and then the other one you you touched on this as well but i did um, I will say when he won the Norris trophy in 2014, obviously that was a tough exit for the Hawks in that year. Basically you could have the Western conference final was a Stanley cup final there. We all know that um, the bad bounce that went off of Nick Letty's chest. We, we all know what happened there. So that was a bitter end to that. You could have, you know, possibly talking about a three peat there if they were able to, you know, get past LA in that series. But I was, you know, very sad after that for a while. I think all Blackhawks fans were, but I will say I was, Happy. First time I was happy about hockey again was when Duncan Keith took home that Norris trophy in 2014 and well-deserved. Absolutely. Incredibly well-deserved. And yeah, it kind of, it reminded you like, Hey, the Hawks were literally a bad bounce for potentially winning the cup. Like, don't be fooled. This was a great season. They're not going anywhere. And that was just kind of the cherry on top. Cause I mean, he was just so good that season. Everybody swore that they were going to win the cup and, and Duncan Keith was Dunk might dunks might have won the con Smythe in 2014 if right. they go all the way, Johnny. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean that, that was, you know, you'd probably say those, those probably his best prime years. I'm sure the numbers back it up. I don't have them in front of me, but um obviously with accolades there, you know, speak for themselves uh in that regard. So congratulations, Doug and Keith, on a great career uh for Feathers Crew. We'll be looking out uh to crack him for Keith whenever that uh you know number goes up into the rafters. So um, and Johnny, quickly about the yeah. number because we always did, you know. 81 beers for Hosa, and it was accumulation, and you could just drink one. No, no, no. It's yeah. each person that's going to participate. You drink two because it's Duncan Keith. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like that, Ron. So, yeah, we'll, we'll crack him for Keith uh, down the road. Um, but, Ron, it's been great getting on here, uh, talking about this. You, uh, I know we got to kind of embrace the suck. Uh, I like your name there. Uh, it was it was a good one. I couldn't think of anything witty. So uh, thank you uh, for carrying the load on that one today. Uh, it is going to be a rough season ahead, but at the same time, we'll be here uh, to, to kind of track development uh, in terms of these things and maybe have a few laughs about uh, some of the gaffes that we'll see uh, on the ice <laughs> and uh, try and pick out. You know, I really hope Taylor Radish has a breakthrough year for us. Um, I think that would... Uh, be a win in my book for this year. Obviously getting number one overall draft pick uh, would be great, but I need to go back to my point. Full scale rebuilds don't always work out because guess what? You could lose that lottery. Yeah. You that very lottery, well could. That lottery scares the shit out of you me. Give generally. yourself better odds, but you could very well still lose it. Absolutely. Yeah. Think don't totally. This is where, this is where it scares me. Think about the bulls. Remember how many times they were like up in that and they got screwed at like seventh every mm-hmm. year. Was it like, mm-hmm. it felt like four years in a row. Yeah. So, yeah. It, well, and look at look at how many years the Buffalo Sabres backfired on that. They swore they were getting Connor McDavid and they did it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like it it totally happens. I hear you. But Johnny, I'll tell you what, though, just just quickly, you know, you, you mentioned embracing the suck. Like you said, we get to micro analyze some of these you know players in their development. We're going to latch on to the Taylor Radish bracket breakout year. You know, we're going to latch on to Connor Bedard watch. We're going to latch on to some of these storylines that develop during the year. And what better way, Johnny, for people to ride through the season than with us here at Four Feathers? Character is defined in the hard moments, not the easy moments. This is going to be a hard moment as a Blackhawks fan this season coming up. Ron, we're in it for the long haul. We don't have a choice. We're here. We're in it. So, we, like I said, you cannot say the Blackhawks don't have a direction now. So, let's just hope it goes to the desired location. That's how I'll end this 
Ron. It was a blast being back on here with you. Listeners, thank Always. you for tuning in. Uh, we stream these live on YouTube, so make sure you're subscribed to ONTAP Sportsnet. Press the alert button so you know when we go live, and then jump in with your comments, and we can feature them here on the show, get some discussion going. Uh, you can follow us on social media at Four Feathers Pod and at ONTAP Sportsnet. And as always, check out ONTAPSportsnet.com for all of your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Um, we'll see what Development Cap brings this week, Ron. Uh, be back at it, maybe after some free agency moves. I know we haven't talked a whole lot about that, but nothing major expected from the Hawks, but maybe a few names that will come in uh, to the fold here to literally fill out the roster. So we'll see. We'll be back uh, when any of that happens. So uh, until next time, Ron, let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks.